come storming down. Instead, they sent down some mages, who waved sticks around for a few days, warning everyone that if the very public rumours continued, then Cornish heads would roll. Or so I heard. John had me hide in the basement the entire time. However, fortunately, it didn't last too long. I suspected that Cornwall was considered too parochial for the brethren to bother themselves about, even with such a shocking breach of protocol. Although word was that when they went to Exmoor after the first beast sightings, they had ripped the offending shifter apart, scattering his body parts across the whole of the United Kingdom as a warning. I jogged along a small brook until it curved upstream toward the hills, then hopped over it and headed toward where I knew John would be. I finally found him crouching in a clearing, not far from the edges of the moor. You sound like an elephant running through those trees, he complained. I put my hands on my hips and raised an eyebrow. Is that the thanks I get for interrupting my run to come and investigate the over-energetic dalliances of some bunny rabbits? That was one time. He straightened up. His salt-and-pepper beard and bald head along with the laugh lines around his eyes, hinted at the wisdom and experience contained within that smart mind of his. John had been Alpha in Cornwall for thirty-two years, and was universally liked and respected by the pack. But that didn't mean that I couldn't still have a little fun. So what is it this time? Don't tell me. I've got it. A sheep has gotten lost on the moor, and its bleating is terrifying the farmers. He held out his palm. There was a small, shiny, black object resting in the middle. I wish that's what it was, he said grimly. Take a look at this. I picked it up from his hand and rolled it through my fingers. It was almost entirely weightless and very smooth, and there was also something else. I held it up to my ear and heard an odd chiming sound. John looked at me sharply. You can hear it. Sure, I said, surprised. Describe it to me. You mean you can't hear it? I was puzzled. Compared to my own hearing, John could hear a leaf drop from fifty paces away. It's like bells, only not. It's more continuous than that. Like a never-ending echo of a chime. He burst his lips, clearly unhappy. It's a Wichtlein stone. A mine fairies. They knock three times and a miner drops dead. You've been reading too many fairy tales. Wichtleins do sometimes hang around old mines and tease the men that work there. But more often than not, they are true harbingers of evil. I don't think one has been seen in the British Isles for more than a century. What do you mean, true harbinger of evil? What kind of evil? Vampire evil? Shadow men evil? Try large-scale death and destruction evil. Oh. I paused. So not bunny rabbits, then. I felt a brief shiver of heat inside me. John held out his hand, and I dropped the stone back into his lined palm. So what's next? His brow furrowed further and he looked at me with troubled eyes.
I had a nasty feeling I knew what he was going to say next, and felt a brief, nervous tremor. He sighed heavily. I'll have to file a report with the brethren. Damn it. Up until now, for at least as long as I'd been old enough to be aware of how the pack was run, any reports John had sent to the brethren had been after any otherworldly messes had already been cleared up, and the details had been purely informative and retrospective, in other words, requiring no further action. This reeked of a mess that was about to begin instead, and for me that spelled danger, especially if the brethren are going to gallop on down to save us. I eyeballed John with a mixture of hope and skepticism. Really? We can deal with death and destruction without them. Unfortunately, his voice was flat. No.